meeting today's challenges with yesterday's experiences. Senior Wisdom is your opportunity to take in wisdom gained by our elderly population and apply this insight to your own life. It's a time machine of sorts, sending you back to challenges of pre-millennia days and places that stretch across the globe. Nancy Zabka and her sister lived on a dead-end street in a small corner of New Jersey. Life was both innocent and safe. Strong family bonding was built from this very home environment. She looked up to her parents, especially her mom. Her mom sacrificed to give a little more to Nancy and her sister through those years. Nancy's memories are filled with lots of interactions among both adults and children. In Nancy's view, her parents' efforts were a perfect demonstration of a balanced family upbringing. When Nancy started her own family, she applied the soft but firm approach that she learned from her upbringing with the compatible family bonds that her husband brought from his early years. Recognizing that today's parents are very busy, Nancy feels the greatest demonstrated attributes are love and respect. That means unconditional love and a demonstrated respect. Teaching respect is accomplished by respecting the children directly. She further emphasized that respect does not mean giving total freedom to the kids. There will be boundaries. Senior Wisdom is ready to share another golden nugget. So adjust the volume on your laptop or handheld device and soak into a conversation with Nancy Zapka. Well, hi, Nancy. Hi, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> 10.30 in the morning. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a morning guy. I am too. Even though it's difficult to get up early in the morning, I stay up too late. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad to be here. And uh, we're going to be talking about families, family values, things like that. They're there are all kinds of families around, and so we tend to, I know in my family, we tend to bring the value systems of, that, we, that operate in our own families, and we transfer that into, uh, into our children up to some point, and then they're on their own. <laughs> Either they have it in them or, or not. So uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You guys, uh, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Chatham, New Jersey. Oh, in New Jersey, and yes. I thought for sure you were the... You were from Southern California all this no, time. No, no, not till 1975. Wow, can I can I ask your age? 73. 73. This year. Oh, this year. Mm -hmm. Okay, New Jersey. So, um, were you near the ocean? I'm not. I uh, fairly, we were a little northwest of New Jersey Shore, but that's where we spent our vacations in the summer. Was on the Jersey Shore. Oh, I remember uh, Rehoboth Beach and some of the other places, wonderful uh -huh. places. And yes. Back, yeah. back in those days, they weren't that populated. Right. <laughs> so there, it was a lot of fun. What was life like living there in New Jersey? Life was very innocent. When I grew up, I lived on a dead-end street. There were 100 children on our street, all young families. But in those days, it was so innocent compared to today that we could just go out and, and be on our own all day long playing on, with all our friends and parents didn't have to worry about it. So I take it that wasn't just in the front yard. I mean, you oh, were all no, over the neighborhood. Oh no, we were all over the neighborhood. Yeah, and um, we, just, we lived a very creative life outside. We played a lot of games. I was in a lot of dance schools and I put on shows in our backyard. I'd get all the kids in the neighborhood together and they'd all be in costumes and we'd have a little stage that we made out of a sheet thrown over a clothesline and yeah. it was just a, a fun innocent time of life did, did you have you have siblings i had one sister three years younger oh, okay mm -hmm. so you were the big girl in the i family. was the big girl in fact wow. i was the big girl in the neighborhood i was 
babysitting at the age of 10, taking care of two sets of twins in one family. And um, I, I, was, I had a lot of responsibility early on. I was just kind of that kind of person. Oh, and so yeah. the parents and, and the, uh, the other parents, as well as your own, noticed that, uh, wow, you, you were mature for your yes, age. Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you were dancing back then. That, yes. That sounds like a, a yes. whole lot of fun. Yep. What was the, your mom and dad, I mean, how were they supportive of, of you feeling, I mean, you were very content because you were, you were, you probably felt safe and you felt loved within your family. Absolutely. Yeah, we had a, a strong family bond. My mom was a very sacrificial person. Um, she wanted so much to be able to give us, my sister and I, dancing lessons that she went to work for the dance studio and um, that way we got a little discount on our dance lessons, but she was always sacrificing for us. I mean, we weren't poor, but we weren't well off either. And I remember my mom sacrificing through, <laughs> I was so sad for her because she was, had one dressy dress that they, she could wear when she would go out. And um, I remember her desperately trying to change it up a little bit because she didn't have enough um, money to buy a new one for a big event that she wanted to go to. So she, she sacrificed so that she could give um, my sister and I more. And then she, she worked since she was 15 years old, very bright woman and always was working. She worked for a big insurance company. She worked in New York City when she was 15, 16 years old. So she was a, an amazing influence. And she is the one who brought my sister and I to church and made sure that we had the kind of values that she saw were important so it sounds like she really had a very strong personality uh, in 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 you know who she was she yes yes but it was a gentle personality i mean she was she knew she knew what was important she knew right from wrong she knew who who her creator was and she wanted us to to grow up with that do you think that strength that she carried with her stemmed from or originated from her faith yes and she had a a very wonderful father and mother too we were blessed with a a good line of of generations of family strength yeah what's Uh, the ethnic background well hers was english irish and french and my father's was german okay well so i'm a mutt (laughs) you've covered (laughs) europe pretty well yes right (laughs) And I can see you. You, t- they took the best parts. Ah, thank you. <laughs> of all of it, and, they did. Yes. And, and now that's what I'm sitting in front uh-huh. of right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so then, when you had your own family, mm-hmm. I suppose it was you. It was just a natural thing that you behaved probably in a similar fashion as your your mom and your dad. Looking back, I think uh, you know on it. I think that's where it came from. Yes, um, I. I do believe that my husband brought a lot of his values from his generation, which was a little older, and we kind of incorporated the two, and that, that really was good. He came from the other generation, the generation before, really, that was even more strict with, with discipline in the family than mine. Mine was, you know, gently strict, well, you but had it was a com- two do- combination. You were two girls, too. and. Girls yes. are treated differently yeah. than guys. And that's so I think true. your husband had a whole bunch of brothers. Yes, no, that's <laughs> true. That's very true. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes a difference. So, so then, so then you had a softer hand when you brought up your family. How many kids do you have? We have three: boy um, and a girl, and another boy. Okay. Three of them. Okay. And do you remember what it was like as a young mother, was suddenly with this responsibility uh, in your arms? Yeah, um, it was wonderful. Um, I remember sitting, having conversations at night as, we, as the kids were going through different stages of growing up. I can remember Stan and I taking the time to sit down and discuss um, what, what do we do with the behavior that's going on with this child now. We, we didn't have all these books that they have today. And we would take the time to sit down and analyze what the child might be going through, and we would adjust our, our discipline or whatever it was accordingly. Do you remember any particular circumstance? Well, yes, there was one with our youngest son. When he was about five years old, um, we felt like he wasn't listening to us when we would give him instructions or ask him to do something. And there was one day we asked him to go over to the neighbors and um, uh, asked to borrow a portion of the, that day's newspaper. And he came home not even remembering what it was we, were, we wanted him to get. And we thought that was really kind of odd that there was something going on with him. And we thought it was a, a discipline thing that he wasn't listening to us. So we took him for some testing and learned that he, the little neurons in the brain or whatever weren't quite connecting right. And we, we wound up getting him some programming help with a, a doctor who specialized in that. And we are so grateful that we did that because I think had we not ever investigated what was going on with him, we would have treated him differently. We would have... Uh, well, you would have been pretty hard on him. Yes, making exactly. Making assumption that he's just, you know, wanting to yeah, do the was, opposite of what we are Absolutely, asking. yeah. The behavior was showing a little earlier, and we just thought it was, okay, he's not listening, he's not behaving, he's not, you know, following our, our expect expectations. And... Um, I, I really believe he's wonderful today. He's a young adult today who's d done marvelous things in his life. And I just, I just thank God that we took care of that when we did. We, had, we were tuned in to him. We had the instincts, parental instincts, because we really were into our kids, to get him some help. In those times when, in this particular time, when you guys came together and you were discussing, wow, his behaviors, you know, there's something unusual going on here. Why don't we ask him, did you pull him in and maybe say, hey, or, you know, are you feeling this or did you hear that? Or did you get more information mm -hmm. into your conversation by talking with him as well? I don't remember that. I don't think we did. You probably had I, enough information I already. Think, <laughs> I, think we, I think we saw the difference between having the two older children uh, we saw a little difference in the behavior, his behavior than we had seen previously. And I think it was just an instinctive thing that we need to check this out. And uh, Well, you know, that happened in not my, my family, but when I was growing up because uh, I'm the second in line. Mm. And then there are twins after me, four years younger. And they were not... Uh, my sister started talking, and my brother wasn't. And so after a while, my folks realized, you know, something's up here. Mm -hmm. 
And eventually they did actually go to the doctor, as you guys probably did too. And in our case, we found that he has an autistic type of thing going oh, on. Uh-huh. So uh, it's, it's hard to say when you can't mm-hmm. verbally have a conversation yeah. with a young child. You have to use other ways of, of figuring it out and not, right. not ever being mean. Right. Because they don't do these things on purpose. Right. It's because they usually need something or they're lacking something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And unfortunately today... There are so many people, so many parents who are working and their kids are in daycare, preschool, whatever, and the parents aren't necessarily around them enough to even spot these things sometimes. They think they're learning them from the school or some other person that's taking care of them, which could be true, but... Um, but really the time that you spend as a parent, mm, don't you think? Mm. That amount of time is so valuable for a child oh, yeah. because you give yourself the opportunity to, to actually see what's going on. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's really tough mm. today, though, with the uh, things are very costly. Right, exactly. <laughs> Having a normal household with just normal stuff right. costs an arm and a leg. Yes. And certainly now with our economic downturns, it's, uh, it becomes more necessary to have both parents working and make, bringing something in. Yes, absolutely. Unless they have some of their external help. Right. Now, your husband, Stan, mm-hmm. his family had a strong sort of uh, uh, up, you know, upbringing, too, and really good, uh, hearty family values. You mentioned in a past conversation about Stan's mom. Yes. She was very special. She, the mother, had to really take care of the kids and, and raise them. And there were 12 children, 11 living. And they all had responsibilities. I mean, you can't run a house with that many children without responsibilities and being accountable. And she was very firm on it. She was a very strong disciplinarian. And um, so he brought that into our family life. Did she do it in a lovingly way? Or did the hammer come down? <laughs> I, I, both? I think from stories I've heard, um, she brought, I think the hammer came down in silence. It was just, I, I remember Stan sharing an incident when he disobeyed his mom and um, she just wouldn't talk to him for a while, just turned him off now. To me, um, I, don't, I don't go that route. I'm, I don't just turn people off. I don't. So that part I, I don't agree with, but I'll tell you, she, when she did, those kids knew they did wrong and there's a consequence, you know. Well, yeah, and I noticed even bringing up my two daughters that uh, there are rubber walls uh-huh. that we allow them to bump up against, yes. uh, figuratively speaking, and, you know, they learn because <clears throat> they get bruised. Yes. But they don't get hurt. Yes, that's a good And then there's concrete walls where you never want them to go there. And yes. so it's that, that may be, I mean, the times were tough. That was mm-hmm. back during World War II that I think Stan had grown, mm-hmm. growing up. Yes. And so life was pretty sketchy at times. And I suppose that may have been more necessary back then because uh, of those yeah. circumstances. Yeah. So the golden nuggets from all that experience with uh, seeing so many families and, grow, mm-hmm. and, and having your own family, mm-hmm. what would be your, the, the values that jump out at you, the golden nugget in all this that you learned? Love and respect, Uh, those two things. Um, Love your kids with all your heart unconditionally. Um, Teach them respect by respecting them. You know, if you treat them with respect, it it comes back. But by respecting them doesn't mean allowing them total freedom to do what they want to do. And 
they need to understand there are boundaries, like you said. I love your your description of the rubber, the rubber walls and the concrete walls, and that's a great way to describe the kind of boundaries that children should should be taught and not feel like you have to talk everything to death. You 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 teach them something of value and about respect and discipline and you follow through with the consequences and not give in and be as consistent as possible between you and your husband, how you're disciplining and when you agree on things. Too many times I hear parents just trying to, in trying to be um, maybe, I don't know, respectful for the kids or, or whatever to teach them, they talk it too much. You teach them and then you say, now the next time, remember what I just spoke to you about. And there's going to be a consequence if, if you disobey or go another way after we've had our discussion. And then they do it again, and then there's more talk and talk and talk. Um, sometimes you just have to say, this is the way it is. I'm going to say no once, and if you do it again, that's it. And you spell out the consequences so they know what's coming. Absolutely. And you follow yeah. through and they know that there's always a follow through. I mean, that's right. that's a good application of, of doing it, but it, uh, as long as it's done with this loving place, right. it's going to be accepted and not going to feel like right. you're doing it because you don't like them. You, <laughs> it's you know, because you, you love, do. Them. love them. You just don't love what their behavior is, the, what they're doing. So you're separating um, the behavior from the person. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Applying those things today when you have a mom and dad both working, mm-hmm. might be a little more, a little tougher because we come home tired. Yes. We're frustrated. We're, we become more impatient. Absolutely. It might not come out right all the time. So what would you suggest for those parents who are both working and tired when they come home and now they mm. have the kids, uh, you know, picking up, picking them up from the babysitters or the school, the preschool? Uh, what would you suggest to those, those parents? Mm. Well, that's a tough one because it's a reality today. I know that they come, they're exhausted and the children can wear them down and they wind up giving in because half of it's guilt that they haven't been there to be with them. And so the child wants all this attention and, and the parent's exhausted and sometimes they just have to... Do you I'm, think that by having a sort of a process you always go through in the evenings. It's something that the kids know. They probably look forward to it. They know that when they first get in, they're going to be given a... <laughs> I'm just making this up. Because yeah, we didn't yeah. do this with our kids. But, yeah. You know, we, we give them a carrot. We give them a piece of broccoli, and they want a piece of candy. But mm-hmm. they get something to tie them over while you warm up some food for mm-hmm. them. Then everybody sits down together because mm-hmm. those that you know, mm-hmm. eat together, stay together right. type of thing. Right. And you actually spend meaningful 15 minutes or so mm-hmm. just talking to each other while you're eating. Mm-hmm. And so that that's, uh, uh, habit is done is is continued every single night and that allows the kids to start mellowing out Mm -hmm. and as well as the parents yes and it brings that hyper level down somewhat right well and i think too with all these um cell phones going off and and the the parents have their cell phones going on all the time even when they're with their kids even when they're out walking with them in the playground or whatever they're on their cell phones and i think maybe a habit of just turning that cell phone off the minute they walk into the house, tune in to the child, give them a little of their, uh, their attention. The child wants attention. 
and you give them a little attention with the discipline, if it needs to be, if necessary. Yeah. But I think that's one way to um, turn off the frustrations and all the energy that you've put out during the day and just maybe even on your way home from work, try to start transitioning, thinking about uh, turning the that's day off. That's a very good I, idea. I don't know, to transition coming into the home. Yeah. So there's sort of preparation uh, coming home, maybe even turning off the cell phone <laughs> yes. yourself yes. just for 15, 20 minutes so right. there's no interruptions right. at all. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Hmm. What perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, right. Nancy, thank you. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people relate to what you've spoken mm. about today. And uh, we will talk again, I'm sure. Mm. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.